Joining us now on the podcast is gubernatorial candidate Garrett Saldano. He is from Kalamazoo County, in particular, the good city of Portage. Is that right, sir? Uh, just next door to Portage, Matawan, Michigan, actually. Matawan. All right. And um, you're a chiropractor by trade. Are you still doing patients? Are you still seeing patients or what's going on with that? No, unfortunately, I haven't been in practice for over a year. Obviously, when you're running for governor, it's a seven um, day per week gig. So um, I have a great associate doctor who's holding down the fort. Jeez, that's got to be kind of hard, isn't it? Uh, it's really hard, actually. Um, there's There's been a lot of sacrifice, obviously, um, on our end with our family. You know, I have two young boys, a 14 and a 12-year-old. Um, they need dad at home, and uh, I'm pretty pretty active on the campaign trail. But we all know what we're fighting for, and we know how important this is, and uh, we, we know what's at, what's at stake, that's for sure. I'm curious what your reaction was when you heard about first heard about the signature issues of the uh, the candidates that are candidates on on the ballot or that are running for the primary. You know, I was I was shocked. Um, you know, that's that's the number one rule, right? As a campaign consultant, is to get your um, candidate on the ballot, and that's one thing that we're really blessed with is we have a movement of unbelievable people that have been fighting side or side by side with me ever since the beginning um, that have obviously been there through the Unlock Michigan petition. So I wouldn't say that we were experts at gathering signatures, but we knew what to expect. We knew what we had to do. Um, and the good thing is about the Unlock Michigan campaign, that was in the summer. And it's easy to collect signatures out in the summer when it's warm, but when it comes wintertime in Michigan and everybody kind of hunkers down, it's a lot more uh, um, challenging to get those signatures. But we were blessed enough to start in July, and I think we went well over 20,000 by January. But we just need to get that kind of off our backpack of responsibility and just kind of move forward. Um, that's why we handed them in so early, just to check mark and let's move on. But a little shocked um, with with the, the citizen or with the petitions because – you know what, if you have to be able to do that, you have to get on the ballot. And if you can't inspire people to sign your petition to get you on the ballot, how are you going to run the state? And all of our signatures were collected 100% grassroots, not one paid circulator, which meant too, that we had control. We were analyzing everything. We weren't using an outside source um, to get those signatures done. So um, shocking, yes, but we're going to see what the ruling is at the end of the month and see who's really officially on the ballot because it looks like two of them may not be. Have you noticed an uptick in fundraising since this whole situation arrived? On our end, yeah. Um, we really, over the last, I mean, to be honest with you, ever since the debate, it's increased quite dramatically now that people are starting to see what we're going to bring to the race. And so uh, I really feel that momentum is going to continue to build. My phone's been blowing up the last 48 hours with people who want to do fundraisers and want to get involved. And now it's starting to have a ripple effect um, in other parts of the country because people are seeing what's going on in the state of Michigan and how uh, someone like me is able to get so much ground done um, in such a short amount of time. You know, I know that when you started off, you were the anti-establishment candidate and you were you know, very critical of some of the early endorsements and support that uh, James Craig was getting early on in the race. Uh, now, here we are. James Craig has lost a lot of his endorsements. Um, Christina Caramo, Matt DiPerno, who got a lot of their traction from the grassroots, uh, won their endorsement conventions. How would you describe the state of today's Michigan Republican Party and the new dynamics of it? 
Well, I think more and more people are engaged more than ever. Um, and that's why you're not going to be able to buy this race just with your own money. I really feel that you have to get out there and have boots on the ground and get in front of the voters and talk to them and be with them. Um, but the Michigan Republican Party, um, there's there's some stuff going on, obviously, behind the scenes. And I really feel that some lines have been drawn in the sand. But that's one thing that we're learning is this movement of people out there um, is pretty dramatic and pretty engaged and pretty passionate. And the power is going to come back to the people and the old guard, um, you know, they, they need to adapt and improvise and overcome um, with what's coming. And hopefully they do that because we all know and can agree that after the primary, it's all about unity. We have to unify um, behind whoever wins the primary in any race. Um, and it's all hands on deck as we go after Governor Whitmer and her pretty big war chest that she's accumulating. So what is your personal definition of a rhino? Well, to my my personal Republican name only. Right. So, you know, I've dealt with a lot of career politicians, um, silver spoon politicians that I call them. And they they talk a big game, but when it comes down to it, they're they're not backing with what they're saying and they're not standing up. And that's one of the reasons why I got involved in this evil game called politics. Because in the beginning, when this all went down, I was looking around wondering, you know, where, where's our elected officials? Where where are these people in positions of authority or positions of power to stand up against this? Because what's going on right now is not right. Um, and nobody was. And that's why I said during the debate, it's time for ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that's what we've been able to do is create a movement literally overnight of hundreds of thousands of very passionate people. And as a leader of this movement, my job was to direct this energy um, into a force to be reckoned with and a force to get things done to inspire change in our state. And I'm proud to say we have been doing that for two years straight. So with that definition of a rhino, are there any Republican gubernatorial candidates in this field that you would say are rhinos? Yeah, I think I think we uh, we saw who's who during the debate with some of the questions that they answered regarding election integrity um, and some other answers. So I really feel half that field lost their their chances of even participating in the race, to be honest with you. And that's kind of like the chatter right now on social media when I'm hearing. Um, but there's there's some good viable candidates. And you know what? Every single one of them have my respect for running and throwing their hat in the ring. But again, you know, every everyone knows that Governor Whitmer is vulnerable ever since what she did to our children in November 2020 and locked us down to 25 percent capacity uh, when Indiana, Ohio and Wisconsin were pretty much fully open. Um, that made her vulnerable. And so a lot of people uh, decide like, oh, I can beat her. But where were you before that? You know, we had one of the candidates say that he was going to be a disruptor. We need a disruptor. And I was like, we don't need a disruptor. We need leadership. Um, because I would have loved that mentality two years ago as a disruptor if you would have joined our movement and circulate the Unlocked Michigan petition and actually attend one of our protests and rallies where it wasn't hundreds, guys and girls. It was thousands of people were showing up to these things. And where was he when we were trying to get these kids back to high school athletics and trying to get these kids back to in-person learning? I haven't seen hardly any of those other candidates at any of these functions over the last two years. And so... Um, to me, it's just I'm going to call it how I see it. And if you haven't been around fighting since the beginning, um, you're not going to get my voter support. And that's in any level of office. Would you call Perry Johnson a rhino? I don't know Perry well enough um, to have a 
a opinion on him right now. He's new to the race. I mean, he spent over what three and a half million last month on commercials alone. Um, nobody even knew who the guy was until we start seeing the quality guru come up on uh, on the commercials. But again, it he's got a lot of ground to make up, and I, I think a lot of people are just kind of turned off with these self funders trying to just buy their way into it. And like I said, if any one of these people on stage would have stood up from the beginning. I wouldn't have had to. I'd be following them. Um, if someone would have stood up and, and went against these lockdowns and everything else, I wouldn't have ran, guys. I wouldn't have started that movement. I'd be getting behind that person. They didn't. And so like me and many others out there, there's a lot of people who have lost faith in these elected officials and lost faith in government. And so I think that's one of my biggest responsibilities as the leader and as Michigan's next governor is restore that faith in government so people can understand they can trust again. And for that to happen, we need someone like me in there that's going to lead, that's going to take the arrows on both sides. But we need truth and transparency now. And that's why we have to get Sunshine Plan 2.0. And we need the legislature to write the bill what they wrote this uh, past week on the ballot or whatever, it's not good enough. We I, demand better. I'm, I'm just trying to nail down a name. What about James Craig? Is he a rhino? James Craig. Um, I, I, I just, I, I tr- here's, here's the questions that I have concerned with James Craig is a couple of things. Is number one, you enforce the lockdowns. And I get it. Uh, you know, as a police officer, he said the reason he enforced the lockdowns was because um, he was appointed by the mayor. Well, that that doesn't sit well with me um, because as a police officer, because I went to the police academy, you take an oath to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States. And I really feel as Americans, we all inherit that oath as Americans. And if you come over here legally, you also inherit that oath to defend and protect the Constitution. So you don't get a get out of jail free card because you're appointed by the mayor. Because, yeah, it was scary to stand up in the beginning. It was very unpopular to do so. But that's when we need somebody with a backbone who's really willing to lead from the front and and put himself out there to do what's right, according to the people. Um, And if he would have did that, he might have got fired. He might have very well got fired. But he would be our next governor because I wouldn't be running. I'd be supporting him. Isn't it it fair to say, though, that law enforcement had to enforce those orders under the Constitution? No. Uh, Protecting the Constitution, you have to recognize that in order to challenge the Constitution of an official act, you've got to go through the courts. That's the mechanism, right? Yep, you do. But you also, that's the ultimate contract. And you could have stood up and did it because there's been police officers throughout even Canada and the U.S. that were standing up against it. No constitutional sheriffs that we refuse to enforce those lockdowns. And so that's why the power is always at the local level. So again, hey, we always have to defend and protect the Constitution. I've been very vocal about this from the very beginning. Your constitutional freedoms, your sacred values, your citizens' rights should never be infringed upon, regardless of a pandemic. You know, I believe this, and I truly do. If you give just the people the truth, not a narrative, not a political narrative, you just give the people the truth and transparency, we'll figure it out. And when the governor was denying FOIA requests to the executive branch, um, and during COVID until the end of June, and she was denying the hospital data to the to the legislature. If you guys remember that, our movement was a was the driving force to get a resolution through through the legislature to demand the hospital data. Why were you not revealing that? Because I've been tracking the hospital data ever since the beginning. I haven't been talking a lot about this, but it's worse now than it's ever been. As far as what transparency? Um, as, as far as hospital capacity, because oh. you remember from the very beginning. We didn't want to overwhelm the hospital system. We want to flatten the curve. 
well, two weeks is going on two years now. And so it's, it's just not adding up. And so nobody's talking about those types of things. And I've been involved with it. And that's why um, as Michigan's next governor or the primary candidate, I guess you could say, we got to hold her accountable. You're not going to beat Governor Whitmer on stage talking about who can fix the gosh darn roads better. It's accountability time. And I've been holding her accountable ever since the beginning. And just like I said during the debate, I'm the only one on that stage who has beaten her, who took away her powers. And I'm 1-0. And I plan on being 2-0 in November. Sam? So, you know, obviously Unlock Michigan Part 1 was you know, successful. It got approved by the legislature. Uh, and, you know, now it seems a lot of times when it comes to COVID related mandates, it's decided by, you know, an individual business. Um, so my question is, where is the relevancy of still running off of a no more mandate campaign as we are kind of in a much more different spot with the yeah. pandemic than we were several months ago? Absolutely. It's evolved, right? And so that's why we just want to make sure that we never, ever do the definition of insanity again. And that's why that 45 law had to come off the books. So before I go into the mandate question, you have to remember with um, with the 1945 law, it got held up in the court systems for a year. However, the Michigan Supreme Court ruled in favor of the legislature and said that every executive order that she did at the end of April was unconstitutional. Well, Dana Nessel, I think I read a couple months ago, asked the state Supreme Court to overrule that ruling. So that's interesting on election year that they're trying to overrule the ruling of her executive orders being unconstitutional. So if we, the people, wouldn't have got that 1945 law off the books, that law would still be there for future governors to abuse. And so, again, if you look what's happening with Roe versus Wade right now, right, and if that gets overturned, Governor Whitmer is an extremist on abortion, and she said she's not going to follow that law. And if that 1945 law would have still been on the books, the Emergency Powers Act, She's smart. She probably would have found a way to utilize that again to to rule with an iron fist. And so with the conversation, with the mandates, it is evolving. But then for the the big three, just reinstituted mass mandates in their factories, I think, over the weekend, if I read correct. Um, And again, on day one, mass mandates will be illegal. Now, look, you have every right as an employer because we don't want government in our everyday lives. We don't want government in our businesses and telling us what we can and can't do, right? So if an employer wants to have some type of policy, they have every right to have a policy, but the employee also has rights. So we should be able to have waivers that would allow them not to have these masks or actually have the vaccine. And that's a medical waiver. That can be a religious waiver. And what I'm going to add to that is a philosophical waiver because as an American, you don't have a right to know my religion. As an American, you don't get to ask me about my, my medical um, history. So we're going to add that philosophical waiver on there to give the employee their rights too. Something that we've been covering is the possibility of the state Senate turning blue and having a Democratic majority. And you know, this brings me to my next question. Do you feel that you would be able to work effectively and very well collaboratively with a Democratic state Senate? We, we have to. That's how our government works. You're not always going to have everyone on your side. And that's why I've been from the very beginning um, talking about unity. And I just been getting attacked for making those statements on how I'm willing to have deep conversations from a variety of different people and backgrounds and experiences to move not only our state forward, but our country forward. I mean, I think we're all sick and tired of the division that's going on right now. We have to get away from this fringe left and fringe right mentality. We have to have conversations again. Now, look, you're not going to change my belief system on the Second Amendment. You're not going to change my belief system on the Constitution or pro-life. But I always share this story when we first announced 
we had a woman get a hold of me online. She said, I'm pro-choice. And I said, well, nice to meet you. She's like, you'll have conversation with me. I said, absolutely. Man, she drove two and a half hours to my next meet and greet. And she came in there, fired up. And she introduced herself. And she's like, I'm pro-choice. I said, well, I'm pro-life. Nice to meet you. We had a 35-minute conversation. You think I changed her belief? Nope. She didn't change mine. After that conversation, she gave me a big old hug. She's like, I never voted for a Republican before, but I'm voting for you. Never donated to a campaign, but I'm donating to yours. We have to get away from the division. We have to have unity now. And you don't destroy a country, folks, by bringing in a military with boots on the ground, aircraft carriers, tanks. You do it from within. You do it with infighting. You do it with division. United we stand, divided we fall. That, that statement has never meant more true than it does right now. I mean, it's we have to unite now. And I'm the candidate who, yeah, I can have conversation. Um, and we're going to have to have some really deep conversations and some very difficult conversations, but they need to have. So, yeah, I can work with people. You were in Texas this weekend. What were you doing there? So there is a big chiropractic convention down there um, called Max Living. And they invited me to come down and speak to their group. And uh, we flew down there, spoke to them, and everybody's very excited right now. And that's the ripple effect that our movement is creating. And that's my job as the leader of this thing is to inspire other states to say, holy cow, here's, here's a guy that's just an ordinary human being to decide to do something. And he's being successful at it. And that's the ripple effect that I want to create throughout our country. You raised, a, I little, you raised a little bit of money at that thing, too, didn't you? We, we raised a good chunk of change. All right. And, you, and you'll know that amount on July when we announce it. Right. When, when do you think you're going to be able to go up on television, sir? Um, we're ready right now. We have accumulated a war chest, um, but we're just strategically looking at it. But it's going to be soon. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about, I got some response back from the debate. And there was concern that you didn't answer the question regarding whether you thought Trump had won the 2020 election legitimately. Do you think Trump won, yes or no? Yes, and here's why. Okay, so um, it was a yes. Yeah, and, and here's why. And this is why I've been always for a full forensic audit, because we just want to be told the truth. And by them not doing the full forensic audit, I know there's been superficial ones and everything else, especially with the documentary 2000 Mules that came out. Here's what we need to understand, we need to find out. There's fraud in every election. We know that. How much was there? And did it sway a presidential election? And I think every Michigander, every American, I, I think this is a bipartisan issue, is we want to make sure and understand and know that our vote counts. And so we have to look at the integrity systems. We have to look at unemployment agency. We have to look at all these departments, guys. And we have to audit things because we need to approve upon them. But after watching those documentaries, yeah, there was fraud. And they got video evidence. And I hope they investigate it because I think everybody needs to know the truth. Um, whether it not or whether it did or did not sway the presidential election um, in the state of Michigan, because the the evidence is there. But I don't know if they're going to push it further, but I don't know. They need to. Did you, did you read the Senate Republican review of the election and the, the findings yeah. that Ed McBroom found and there? He didn't find any fraud. They, but it wasn't. It was a superficial audit. It wasn't deep. They didn't really go into like the antrum things. They didn't go through what's going on with two thousand mules with the ballot harvesting um, and the mass mailings of our absentee ballot applications. Those are the things where fraud can can occur. And now, like watching that documentary and seeing that they they actually were doing it. Now we don't know whether those votes were for Biden or Trump, right? 
Why don't we investigate those people, bring them in, and let's find out what happened. And that's what the people deserve to know. And again, that's a bipartisan issue. One thing that I do not like going around the state of Michigan is people actually tell me I'm not voting because it's not going to count. That is the worst thing for our republic for that to happen. People should know and understand that their vote counts. And so I just believe in audits, period. Let's look at things and let's improve upon them. So who does this audit in a perfect world? Well, one of the excuses that we heard from the legislature is they didn't have the financing, right? That it would just be too much money. And they could have had that publicly financed. There are so many people that want to get this done. Um, You can bring it up to the private sector and the companies that would sure would do it. Um, But I think we need to do it. But I look at this common sense wise. The legislature actually did their job and they've passed a lot of bills to make our elections better. But Governor Whitmer has vetoed every single one of them. And so we, we have the bills ready. And to me, it's just common sense. I'll, you know, elaborate on the voter ID, stop the ballot harvesting, stopping the, the mailings of the um, absentee ballot applications. You know, it, when we're seeing that dead people are voting or people are getting nine or 10 ballots delivered to their address because of previous owners, that's not right. And that's not integrous. And those are the things we need to stop. Because like I said, bipartisan, every person should know and believe that their vote is integrous and it's going to count. Uh, last question here. We got to let you go. Um, the uh, debate last Thursday, you told me afterwards you believed you won, uh, but we didn't have the perceived front runner in the poll there, James Craig. What did you think about him not being there and he has yet to commit to the one in Traverse City? James Craig has a lot of questions that he needs to answer. And the more that he's running from the sidelines, it's not leading from the front. You know what? Even if he would have just came out in the beginning, just told the truth and say, yeah, just like Governor DeSantis, he locked down in the beginning. And then he said, never will happen again. That's truth and transparency. So if you made mistakes in the past, we all have those who are free of sin cast the first stone. But you need to come out and own up to him. You know, and his his answer to why he stopped enforcing the mask or the mandates was because the Michigan State Police didn't ticket people at the, the rally that had the Capitol. That's not leading from the front. That's waiting in the background. And then the kind of the nail in the coffin, and I feel his campaign is when they chased out Republican poll watchers at the TCF Center. A lot of conservatives are very unhappy about that, and they want answers. Um, and he needs to come out there and answer them. And by him just being, you know, having some face recognition and getting on Fox News every week and talking about the police, um, you know, you're going to have to do more. That might have worked in the past, but not anymore. He, he's got to come out and he's got to debate and people have to hear his answers to a variety of different things. You're not going to be running from the basement like Biden and winning this thing. That's for sure. Garrett Saldano, he is a Republican candidate from Matawan. I appreciate you uh, taking some time and speaking with us here on the podcast. I appreciate you guys. God bless.